We in Psalms chapter 119. If you could turn there in your Bible with me, please. Psalm 119. You know, we took a lot of time talking about uh, Good Samaritan's home ministry, and and uh, it's, it's super important, though. I, I think it's super important we understand that our mission as a church is to the uttermost parts of the earth, right? That we are to share the gospel everywhere with everyone. And, and this time of the year, if one box can do what that ministry has done, uh, it is so important for us to grab a box, take it home, fill it up, and send it out, uh, prayed, up, prayed up so that the gospel goes forward to the uttermost parts of the earth. So really important, grab a box. I know there are more empty ones out there, uh, and we, we can just keep on filling them up as, we, as they come, okay? Uh, it's good to see you. We're going we're gonna to kind of bust through a sermon today. We've got limited time, but uh, today we're going to be talking about the sufficiency of Scripture and the importance that, that it has in our life and on our life. And this is part one of two. Uh, next week we'll finish it up. Um, to start us off, you know, there are a lot of magazines or articles or, or uh, blogs out there that people can read. And, and sometimes, you know, I read a magazine article or I read an article on the internet or even a news article, and I'm left wanting a little bit, right? It's like, that, that didn't really do it for me. I really didn't get anything out of that. or that, I don't know where they were coming from. Um, it doesn't make sense or it didn't hit me the way it needed to hit me. Um, and and that's, that's true. I mean, some people just are off the mark a little bit, or maybe I'm off the mark reading it. Who knows? But it, it doesn't always do it for you, right? I, I find children's books the same. There are some that are just terrific. They're, the, they're like the top sellers, and they are just written so well, and they connect with not only children but adults, and, and you, you kind of get into the story, and you get excited about it. And, of course, I know this because I read children's books every night to my children, right? And, uh, and even some of the, the ones that are Bible ones, like the Berenstein Bear Bible, it's lacking in the little areas because it's, it's one of those cardboard page books, and the whole Bible is crammed into, you know, 15 pages uh, of cardboard. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty lacking. But the children's books like, you know, Brian Pulls a Wagon, Jill Feeds a Chicken. A chicken? Where are the, where are the rest of the chickens? Are there more? Yeah, it's just like, it's just kind of like, okay, that, that one's not doing it for daddy today. We'll read something else, and uh, that, that's exciting, right? The scripture, though, is one of those things that is not lacking any sufficiency at all. And, and as we go to the scripture and we can open the scripture and we can read the scriptures, I want us to understand that, that if it's lacking in some way, it's not the writer of the scriptures, it's the reader and the hearer. That there might be something wrong here as we approach scripture. See, God wants us humbly to approach the scriptures and, and open in an open mind, open, open heart to hear and receive what he has for us. Right? This is God's instruction book. It's, it's been called, what, the basic instructions before leaving earth, the Bible acronym, right? Um, it's, it's the manual that God has given us for living on a daily basis. So we're going to dive into Psalm 119 today and, and pick apart some of the ways that we can see that Scripture is sufficient for us in our lives, all right? Can we pray? Let's pray and get, we'll get to work. Father, you are a great God, and we thank you for the opportunity you give us every week to worship you. God, to give you glory, to, to give back to you with our, with our time, our treasure, and our talents. And God, we pray right now as we read your word, as we learn from your word, as you teach us that, God, it would be by your spirit. And God, that your spirit would challenge us and correct us and lead us into obedience, that we would become more committed followers of Jesus Christ. It's in his glorious name we pray. Amen. So we're in Psalm 119. Uh, we're going to look at how the scriptures are sufficient for us, all right? So number one, how is it sufficient? Well, it purifies us. 
It purifies us. And I want to take you back a minute, and I'm going to throw, throw a verse up here in a second, but go back to the, the time that you first met Jesus, right? And, and maybe the time just before you first met Jesus, someone shared the message of Christ. Someone shared the gospel message. And that gospel message was not fanciful and made up and a weird story. It was the message of Christ as found in what? The Holy Scriptures. And Romans, in chapter 10 and verse 17, it says, it tells us that our faith, our faith comes from what? Hearing, it comes from hearing the Word and hearing through the Word of God, right? So the only way we can understand the gospel, the only way we can hear the gospel, if someone, someone speaks it to us, if, so, if we read it in the Word and, and it's shared as the message of Christ, the good news. So for you and I, who, who have faith in Jesus Christ, who have put our trust in Him for righteousness, that he has not only forgiven us of our sin, but he has, he has justified us, right? He's forgiven us and pardoned us that when we stand before the Father, we are filthy rags made clean by Jesus. Not by our own efforts, but by Jesus. And that faith that we had in Jesus Christ came from the message of the gospel implanted on our heart through the word of God by the Holy Spirit. Amen? So that was the initial time we heard the word of God, and that was so sufficient for you and I unto salvation. And if you're not saved, if you haven't put your trust in Christ, if you're still relying on yourself, you need that message more now than ever. And God's Spirit is now convicting you of that, telling you that I am sufficient. I am sufficient. Listen to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved. Believe what you hear. Now, once that happens, we understand that, that it continues to work in us. God's work continues to work in us. And I want to show a, a scripture here from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. This is a very powerful message, and I would encourage you to, to underline this or highlight this in your own Bible. But it says this, For the word of God is living and effective. So we ask the question, how did that get me? How did Jesus get me? Well, the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as to dividing soul and spirit, uh, joints and marrow. It is the judge or a judge of the ideas and thoughts of the heart. You want an attitude check? Read the scriptures. When you open your heart and mind to the scriptures, it's going to cut you deep for the purpose of God's glory and for the purpose of our benefit, by the way. See, if we want that change inside of us, we go to the living and effective word of God that can refine us, that can trim those areas off that we need trimming. How did God get us? By his living an effective word. And, and you and I have experienced that in different ways, and I, I pray we've both experienced that in different ways, where you're reading the word, and man, God just, God just spoke to you through that. Or you heard a sermon because somebody preached from the word, and you're like, wow, God, that's exactly what I needed today. It's amazing what God does in and through his word. Listen, folks, this is not a pastor show, right? This is us coming around the book and opening it and reading it and learning from it. It purifies us and changes us because it's living and active. It's vibrant. It's divine. This is God's word. So go, go to Psalm 119. We'll start our journey here in Psalm 119. We're going to start in verse 4 and read through 11. So we understand that the word is sufficient to purify us. So beginning in verse 4, going through 11, it says, You have commanded that your precepts be diligently kept. If only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I think about your commands. I will praise you with a sincere heart 
when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Never abandon me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all my heart. Do not let me wander from your commands. In verse 11, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. The word is sufficient to keep us pure. This is one of those verses, Psalm 119.11, that, that we use as a verse to say, memorize Scripture, memorize Scripture. And what I, w- what I would say is this, put it, treasure it in your heart. Maybe you can memorize it, but it's, it's more than just memory. I can cram for a test and, and then not really apply that to my life. Treasuring it in your heart means you understood it, you get it, you're letting it affect every part of what, who you are. And as you go, you may not have a Bible on hand or in your pocket, but as you go, those words are, are, being, are purifying you day by day. And they're coming to mind day by day to guide your paths. God's word purifies us. And there's a discipline to purity, right? It's not easy to be pure. It's not easy to have the discipline of being pure. Living the lie, though, living the lie consistently is tougher. Living a lie in a, in a hypocritical life that says, well, I believe the Bible, but I'm going to live a different way, just not going to line up. That is, that is more difficult to keep consistent in your life than just to say, you know what, I'm going to let God's word change me. I'm going to let it fit. I'm going to let it do the discipline it needs, and I'm going to live free in that and pure in that. So stop fighting to let God's word purify you, cleanse you. So number one, it purifies. Number two, it strengthens us. It strengthens us. Jump down to verse 28 in Psalm 119. God's word pure, or strengthens us. 28 through 32. I am weary from grief. Strengthen me through your word. Keep me from the way of deceit and graciously give me your instruction. I have chosen the way of truth and have set your ordinances before me. I cling to your, de- your decrees. Lord, do not put me to shame. I pursue the way of your commands, for you broaden my understanding. The word gives a clarity of mind so we can see the truth, that we can identify the lie, and that we can stand firm, strengthened by the word. See, God wants us to have strength in that, and God wants us to find strength in him and resolve in him, and God's word is the thing that that identifies truth if we can identify truth, we can identify the lie. And then we can stand firm in the truth. His word strengthens. Number three, his word is eternal. That's why it's sufficient, folks. It's eternal. It's not something that was written five years ago and was on the bestseller list, and that's what we're teaching, and it'll fade away one day, and we'll start a new book. His word is eternal. Go down to verse 89 and 90. You might need to flip a page. It says, your word, Lord, your word is forever. It is firmly fixed in heaven. Your faithfulness is for all generations. You established the earth and it stands firm. God's word is forever. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, it says, heaven and earth will pass away, but what? My words will never pass away. The word of God is eternal. It does not change and and it can't be burned away or, or thrown away. I want to give you a couple of instances. There are, are dozens from history of people trying to, to throw the word away, to get rid of the word of God, to, to abandon it, to abolish it, to make it disappear. And I want to give you a couple of stories. Uh, William Tyndale in, in 1500 
uh, after the invention of the printing press, put the Bible in his common language. So you and I, right, the simple people, could read it and understand it. But priests and bishops during that time burned thousands of copies of his translation as a burnt offering most pleasing to the Almighty God. See, they wanted to maintain control, just like the Pharisees did in the day of Jesus. They wanted to maintain control and power. They didn't want the people to read the word for themselves. They thought it was something that only, only priests and bishops should have, and they should be able to, to lord it over. So Tyndale was then burned at the stake. His last words were, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. Less than three years after that, King Henry VIII authorized the publication of the Great Bible. A copy was then chained to every pulpit in England so that everyone could read it. See, someone tries to thwart the power of God and the, and the eternality of, of Scripture. It doesn't work. French humanist Voltaire boastfully proclaimed, 100 years from now, the word, this is in 1700, the word will, will uh, hear no more, or the world will hear no more of the Bible. In 100 years, the, the Bible will be gone. Yet in the year of his boast, the British Museum purchased a manuscript of the Greek New Testament for $500,000, while the first edition of Voltaire's new book sold for eight cents a copy. Furthermore, 50 years after the death of Voltaire, Bibles were being printed by the Geneva Bible Society in the very house where Voltaire lived on his own printing press. Does God have a sense of humor? Yeah. God's word is eternal. It stands firm and it will not be changed. It is the only, it's one of the only things that's not the shifting sand of life. It's God's word. Number four, how is it sufficient? Well, it prepares us. God's word prepares us. I want you to be flipping to Matthew chapter 7, please. Keep your finger here in, in Psalm 119. Flip to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, and I want to look at the scripture in 2 Timothy as well. That's on the screen for you. 2 Timothy says, all scripture is inspired by God. Okay, so here's that power, that divine nature of, of the word of God. All scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable, beneficial, right, for you and I. For what? For teaching, for rebuking, for correcting us, for training in righteousness, so that, here's the kicker, so that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What's the Boy Scout motto? Be prepared. God's word prepares us. It can thoroughly equip us for everything that we're going to face in life. It can make us complete and whole when we have the word of God and we rely on the word of God. So we might be complete, equipped for every good work, and in some translation says lacking nothing. That's what it's profitable for. It gives us a preparation. Now, if we're in Matthew chapter 7, oh, I'm, I'm talking and not turning. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to look at verse 24 together through 27. It says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. So there's this, this correlation. If, if we want to be prepared, we're going to understand that, that God is giving us a way to be prepared. God is giving us a firm foundation and that he wants us to act on what he's saying. If anyone hears these words of mine and acts on them, he'll be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded the house. Yet it did not collapse. Because its foundation was on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. And it was a great collapse. So for you and I, we have to stand on this firm foundation that is obedience to the perfect Word of God. And, and it will prepare us. What's it preparing us for? The storms of life. Are the storms coming? Yeah. Well, isn't it amazing? I don't know if you noticed it. I don't know how you didn't. During our presentation, like the rain just poured, right? And last night, the wind was blowing, the rain was... It's, it's been a, kind of a crazy cool storm the last four or five days, right? But the storms of life are like that too. They, they come in waves. They come harder at times and lighter at times. But for you and I, as we are rooted in Scripture, God is preparing us to be able to stand as we're standing on a rock, as, as we have a house, a structure that is built on a firm foundation. God's Word prepares us. Go back to Psalm 119. For number five, for number five it directs and protects us. God's Word directs and protects us. Look at verse uh, 105. We're going to go 105 through 112. Your Word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. I have solemnly sworn to keep your righteous judgments. I am severely afflicted. Lord, Lord give me life through your Word. Lord, please accept my willing offerings and praise and teach me your judgments. My life is constantly in danger, yet I do not forget your instruction. The wicked have set a trap for me, but I have not wandered from your precepts. I have your decrees as a heritage forever. Indeed, they are the joy of my heart. I am resolved to obey your statutes to the very end. It's amazing what the scriptures reveal about life and about reality. See, God's word can perfectly direct us and protect us. If you want direction, you go here. Like I said earlier, this is God's manual. It's as if the creator of everything in reality gave us instructions. Isn't it amazing? And if you really want to find out what's going on, and, and what, listen, here, here's the important part of this. A lot of us have gone through the school of hard knocks. We've learned things the hard way, right? And that wasn't so pleasant for us. And I know people say, well, I want to I learn, my, learn my, on my own and learn the hard way. I'm, no, you don't. You don't want to go through that pain or that sorrow or that grief. Oh, it's just part of growing up. Yeah, I get it's part of growing up. But listen, you're going to have plenty of those without intentionally going through them. My dad always told me, he's like, Brandon, I want you to learn from my mistakes and not have to make them on your own. And see, God is like this good dad, right? He's like this good father and says, listen, I've got a manual for you. I have your best interest at heart, and ultimately I have my glory at heart, but I want you to learn from it. I want to give you instruction. And as you read this word, you're protected from so many of those schools of hard knocks, learning the hard way. So often I'm reading Scripture, and I see it, how it applies to my life. Like, and, and don't you hate it when you read it, and you're like, man, I wish I would have known that last year. I wish I would have read that two weeks ago. Right? Well, God can teach us right now for the future. And there's so many times I read the Scripture, and I'm like, man, I see that going on right now in that person's life. They need this. Not, not only is it illuminating, it's in my life, but I can see it in reality all around us and what's happening all around us. God's word is relevant to what's going on right now. And God is that parent who knows best. He's a good dad, and we need to learn, learn the easy way and not the hard way. Number six, finally, God's word is sufficient because it gives us wisdom. It gives us wisdom. 
This, this point is the application point today. And we'll transition next week into, into more of this, but, but today it, it gives wisdom. I'll jump down to verse 129. So we're in Psalm 119, 129. Your decrees are wonderful, therefore I obey them. They're wonderful, so I obey them. In verse 130, the revelation of your words brings light and gives understanding to the inexperience. I, I want you to understand this word in verse 130. It says, the revelation of your words. This word means the, the opening of the word or the, or the walking through the doorway. What this word means is this. The opening of the pages of the book will give you wisdom and, and it says, make wise the simple, right? Give wisdom to the inexperienced. You and I do not have to be rocket scientists to go here and to learn from the creator of the universe. You and I have to have a heart that is humble and ready to accept instruction from the Lord. And as we open the book, that's, that's a real important key application today, okay? Open the book. We can't, we can't just put it on our head and kind of soak it in. Right? We can't put it next to our computer or have a Bible app on our phone and just make sure it you know, kind of osmosisly kind of absorbs into us. We have to open it and we have to read it. And, and in that, God says he'll make us wise. And I, w- I want you to understand the definition of wisdom. Wisdom is knowing the difference between what is true and what is false, what is right and what is wrong, what is a truth and what is a lie. And it is choosing to do what is right. It is knowing the difference and choosing to do what is right. A fool is someone who knows the difference and chooses to do what is wrong. I think for some of us, there are days that we don't want to be foolish, so we don't want to know the truth. Because we figured if we just do our own thing and had no idea if it was right or wrong, we just did it, We'd be off the hook. That's not the way it works, though, folks. God has is, God is given you truth by the power of his Holy Spirit every day. He's convincing you of that as you go if you have put your faith and trust in him. For you and I, we, we must go here to clarify even more clearly as the Spirit leads us what is right, what is wrong, what is, what is reality. And, and it, what it takes from you and I is a repentant heart saying, God, I'm over myself. I'm over the way I thought I should have behaved. I'm over my, my own standards I'm over my own religious way. I want to follow you. And as we open the book, God will change your life. He will change your life. And and in doing that, he may wreck your life. But you and I have to be okay with our lives, our agenda, being wrecked so that God's agenda and God's glory and God's word could penetrate deeply into our heart that we would be found as children of God, obedient to his word, letting it be, it's our, it's our sole source of sufficiency. Amen? Open the book. Stand and pray with me if you would. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, we could go on and on about how sufficient it is, and there's so many ways to do that. But God, I just thank you that you have given us something that is, is so divinely inspired. It's so timeless in its truth. 
And God, that it's living and active. And, and God, it can cut so deep into our heart and, and, and divide soul and spirit. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. God, we want to open the book so, so you can change us. And God, if, if there's a fear in us, if there's something that's holding us back from, from that, if there's a sin that's holding us back because we don't want to be changed, challenge that. Convict us of that, God. Make us weep over our sin and over our position that we would humbly repent and open your word and search the scriptures. I thank you that it is, it is eternal, that it has stood the test of time. And God, it, it can be a foundation that we stand on. Unshakable. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.